for another moment as we honor the scripture, as we read from the gospel today, um, Mark 7. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, the people honors me with their, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do not worship me. Um, do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human traditions. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. You can be seated. That last part was just to lighten the mood a little bit this morning. <laughs> kind of straight talk, huh? <laughs> All these evil things come from within. Conversely, Scripture is very clear that not only the, the bad stuff that comes out of us comes from the heart, but it, Scripture is very clear that also the good that comes out of us comes from the heart. Psalm 1.1 said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law... On his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Goes on in Luke 6. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So this life we're living, this Christian journey that we're living, is not just about trying to do the right thing, not trying to just act the right way. But it's about a transformation of our hearts. What, what is it we're looking for? In our life, what are we looking for to fulfill us? When I asked myself that years ago, oftentimes came to several conclusions. One of those might have been that I wanted to have children that did well in life, that knew who they were and felt a significant value in who they were as they were designed in the image of God and that they knew who they were in Christ. That was something I wanted to see happen. I wanted to, I, I longed for work that energized me and that felt purposeful in doing that. I wanted to live in a nice home. I wanted to be able to drive a car that was reliable and got me back and forth places. Uh, it's a lot of things that I wanted. And all, all of these things were okay. They're good. 
There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But I found myself at different seasons in my life. Some seasons where I found myself experiencing all of those. Um, and really being thankful for that. But yet, still felt some measure of unfulfillment. Still felt, okay, what's the next thing? This is good. But gosh, if I could just see this happen. And so many years ago, I stopped and realized that if I really wanted to find fulfillment, that I needed to really go back to the designer. Whoever it was that designed me would be the one that would uh, know what was going to bring fulfillment in my life. And, and so as I looked at the scripture uh, Paul talks about in Galatians, he, Galatians 5, he talks about these things that would come out of the life that was given to the lordship of Christ. These are things that that uh, we would look like, things that we would experience. He talked about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Could we agree that those would be good things? Mm -hmm. If we could experience those things consistently, wouldn't that bring fulfillment in our life? Wouldn't that be a good thing? How many of us could acknowledge that also that's easier said than done? Uh, we wanted to be self-controlled and our kids acted up on the way to church this morning um, now I drove by myself my kids all drive themselves now so <laughs> but I remember when they were little I don't know what happens on Sunday mornings I don't know why it's worse than any other day with kids um, but we want to be peaceful and self-controlled and then we lose it on the way to church you know we always said that you know kids had little temper tantrums and you got to control that and then yet we parents have adult temper tantrums don't we and so um, or you got cut off in traffic and or to be peaceful and or you got a bad report on your review at work and it's obvious that that moving up in this company is is not going to work or another appliance bit the dust and so in the midst of those things, could we agree that it's easier said than done to have peace and self-control and joy in our life? And so what tends to happen is we find ourselves over and over again experiencing the same kinds of things that, that happen. To, we lose our temper on the way to church or this, that, or the other. And eventually we begin to kind of quietly become a little frustrated that things really aren't going to change. I'm going to keep doing this. I, I want to not do this anymore. I want, I want this to be part of my life. I want to find this fulfillment, but it's just not happening. And we kind of settle into, okay, this is just the way life's going to be. You know, I just, I just have a temper. That's just, you know, I just settle into that. Or I just have this, or I just have that. And so, is that the way that we've been designed to live? We want to be transformed, but yet we find that we're not. We think it's because we are trying to change by going down the wrong path. We have this idea of, if I just try hard enough, then I'm going to be patient. So I'm going to be patient from now on. I'm going to be really, really patient. And then somebody does something that irritates us. I found myself irritated that the gas pump was taking too long yesterday. I thought, I thought I was a patient person, and I'm having trouble with the gas pump. Or we decide we're going to have self-control. I'm going to really work in this area of my life. And then the brownies that are downstairs in the kitchen, they call out to me. I mean, they speak to me, and they say, I'm dying, I'm drying out down here. Come and eat me so I'm not wasted. I let's, feel let's just stop and pray real quick. <laughs> brownies are talking to her. 
None of the rest of my family hear it. I'm the only one that hears this call to the sweetness that's there. And so we want to have that, and yet we find that it doesn't happen. Paul in Galatians is talking about this is fruit of the Spirit. This is fruit that comes out of a fruit tree. Fruit doesn't just automatically happen. You can't will fruit to happen. It's the product of a healthy fruit tree, a tree that's been planted, that's been watered, and that's been fertilized. And the result of that, it develops good fruit. That's the same in our lives. We have to have a good, healthy internal core in order to produce good, healthy fruit. If we're not healthy on the inside, we're not going to produce that fruit. So how do we get that? How do we get that healthiness on the inside so that we're not faking our fruit, but that we actually are producing something that is good and healthy and pure? James Bryan Smith has written a number of books. He has a series, and the first book is The Good and Beautiful God. And it talks about knowing God for who he is and all of his goodness. And one of the things that he says is, narrative is the central function of the human mind. What that means is we think in narrative or in story form. That's the way our brains convert things. So we think in story form, we hope in story form, we dream in story form, we hate in story form. Everything that we do is a part of a story in our brain. The important thing then, or the key, is to look at what is the foundation of my story? What do I believe to be true in the back of my mind? Because that foundation or that narrative that I'm listening to is going to shape everything in my life, how I think, how I act, how I respond to people, how I interact in relationships. And we develop those stories in a number of ways. The first one is through our family. Our family gives us insight into the world. We always say more is caught than taught with your kids. We have absorbed things from our parents in how the world works. So what makes you a good person? What is successful? Are you valuable because of this or because of that? And then a thousand other little things. I realized, I was telling Britt yesterday, I realized one of the rules that I have in my life for my childhood is women don't spit. And you know what? That has worked pretty well for me my whole life. Um, unless I'm running and I get a bug in my, life, in my mouth. And then I have this emotional crisis. of I have a bug in my mouth, but I'm not allowed to spit. So what do you do with that? But we all have different rules that are a part of us growing up. One of the things I work with a lot with women in counseling is a core narrative that all men have a terrible flaw. And you pick which one you live with. And so they say, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've heard it. So they say, yes, he drinks, but he doesn't beat me. Okay, he drinks and he beats me, but he doesn't beat the kids. Okay, he drinks and he beats me and he beats the kids, but he has a good job. And I have to challenge that in them and say, that is faulty thinking. You are assuming that every man has a flaw, and that is not true. There are a number of good and healthy and wonderful men that are out there, and you don't have to settle for that. So we have those core narratives that come from our family that shape how we think and how we process things in our lives. We also have them as being a part of our culture. The American culture really prizes the individual. Stand up for number one. 
push and you can get ahead. We have those that are a part of our cultural influence. And then we also have religious narratives, things that we've learned growing up, how we view God, how we view one another. And there are some very well-meaning people in our lives that have given us some false narratives. There was a survey that was done that said 37% of all people believe that God is a judge and he's ready to punish them for minor infractions. 37% think they're going to get in trouble at any point. Those are the narratives that shape our thinking. But there's also another narrative. There is the Jesus narrative. What does Jesus say? As we look at scripture, we see his teachings, we see the way he walked on this earth and that he interacted with people, and that's where we find the foundation for truth and for a healthy life. John 14, 9, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If we want to know the true nature of God and the place that we can really base truth on, we take a look at Jesus because that's how we see Father God. So the reality is we're living out a story. We're living out our narrative based on the combination of these narratives that influence us. The question is, which one of these is the dominant narrative in our life? So let's look at how this works. We start with this core narrative, this story, combination of influences. We oftentimes aren't even aware of what this is made up of, but it's a part of all of our lives. And then we have an event happen. A situation takes place in our life. And out of that event then, based on this core narrative, we have thoughts. We begin to process it intellectually. Our thoughts then um, are, are, the, are, the, are what causes and forms our feelings. And then ultimately, we act based on this lineage, based on this core narrative and what we think and what we feel, we ultimately act. So let's look at how this might work. If your core narrative, if you were, if you were trained religiously um, based on a significant works theology, which is if I do good, if I say everything good, then good will always happen. And if bad happens, then that means you've messed up someplace. Um, that's been a pretty significant part of, was a pr pretty significant part of my own upbringing, something that I've had to work on and and I've come up against that consistently in my life. But if that is what, what is what forms your idea of how this works, how this life in God works, then we have an event. And you have a child that um, gets a diagnosis um, of, a, of an illness or disease that they're experiencing. Or maybe you do. Something happens in you that, that you have a sickness or a disease and... And you've asked people to pray, and we've prayed and continued to pray, but it, it's not getting any better. They don't really understand why. So that's the event that happens. If my core narrative is this works-oriented theology, then my thinking is going to be, um, I must have done something wrong. I must not be doing this right. Maybe I've not really been praying or covering my family right. Maybe I've not been living right, or maybe I've sinned someplace. Or maybe she did. Um, we begin to think that kind of um, thoughts. And then what are the feelings that are going to come out of that? I'm going to feel sad, fear, possibly even embarrassed. 
I've gone to my small group so many times to ask them to pray for this. And they're just, they're going to get tired of this. And they're going to start wondering about me. They're going to start wondering about, am I living right or am I doing something right? And so, so I begin to, out of those feelings of feeling condemned and sad and embarrassed, my actions then as I withdraw. I pull back from, from my small group. I drop out of church. I don't ask anymore and I, I begin to isolate. That is the natural fruit that's going to come out of that core narrative. If, if, if I believe those um, beliefs that I describe, the only possible end result is to have those kinds of negative feelings in that type of ultimate behavior. So what do we do about that? First of all, we have to realize what we don't do about it. The way we don't fix this is by just willing ourselves to act differently. We call it white-knuckle living. We get that from, from working with uh, recovering alcoholics. Um, the alcoholic is struggling and decides that they're going to will themselves to not overdrink anymore. So it's, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink. They're going to drink again. If they don't understand what their core narrative is and understand what is behind that, just by willpower, um, they're going to fail. I'm not going to get mad again. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to blow up with my kids. I'm not going to react to my wife that way. Now, yeah, you will. If we don't look at the core narrative, I don't care how tempted I am. I'm not going to look at porn. I'm not going to go there. I'm not, I, I don't care what the little icon on the computer, I'm just not, I'm going to say no to that. If by sheer willpower, that's how we are trying to change, it's white knuckle living, we're going to fail. So what do we do? The way we change the ultimate fruit, if the fruit is not good, is we have to go back to the core narrative. Jesus, in the very first sermon that he ever preached in Matthew 3, said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what word repent means? Change your mind. We have to change our mind. We have to change our core narrative. We've got to recognize that this narrative is false. And we have to figure out what is true and replace that false narrative with truth. And so the uh, uh, scripture goes on in, in um, um, Paul in Romans 12 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Philippians, let the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. So we've got to identify what is the faulty core narrative and begin to find out what's the Jesus narrative. What does the Jesus narrative say about this and how does it begin to transform um, our core nature? So let's take a look at the same situation. I get a bad, bad diagnosis or my child does and we're struggling with an illness or a disease. And so we look at what is the Jesus narrative? What is he saying about this? John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Matthew 19, 17, Jesus replied, there is only one who is good, referring to Father God. We have to always put at the center of our narrative, God is good. He is totally good. He is completely good. Years ago, when we struggled with miscarriage and infertility, I remember the night of my last miscarriage, I was going to stay up 
until God gave me a reason why we were not having children. I was working with the Crisis Pregnancy Center at the time, and I had 14-year-old girls that were having babies. And here we were, and we couldn't have a child. And here Brent and I, was, we were in the ministry for Pete's sake. I mean, it was just... I was like, we would be good parents. This is just wrong. And I was going to stay up all night until God gave me a clear answer why I could not have a baby. And somehow in the middle of the night at two or three, all that came to me was, I'm good. I'm good. It wasn't a clear answer, but it was the answer I needed. Basing my beliefs on that, that God is good, then I can trust him. Whatever happens, God is good. And we have to keep that focus. Let's go on, John 9, 2, and 3. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Matthew 5, 44, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now that's just a little snippet of the Jesus narrative that we could apply to this. Um, we could look at the whole of scripture, this story about God's goodness and his creation and how of his redemption and calling us back. But just in that, just in these few verses, we begin to see picture of the Jesus narrative. If that then becomes our foundation, we have the same experience. We get a bad diagnosis about ourselves or our child. Instead of my, instead of my thoughts now um, that, that we're bad or we've sinned, now my thoughts are, you know, this is, this is part of the human experience. We're going we're gonna to have tough stuff that's going to happen. We live in a broken world, difficult things. Bad things happen to good people. That, all of a sudden now my my, my core begins to change as I begin to process this. My feelings. Now, my feelings don't all of a sudden just snap into, I'm not dancing in the streets necessarily. But all of a sudden, my feelings were, it was fear and embarrassment. Now my fear begins to add hope to it. It begins to, there's, but there's somebody that sees this differently than I do. His ways are higher than my ways. He sees tomorrow, and I don't yet see. And so I begin to add faith to that fear, and that begins to, to, to turn something. Uh, instead of embarrassment, it's going to be, and that, that causes me to hold back, I'm not going to feel embarrassed. I'm, I'm going to feel at peace being able to share with my family and friends. So, so my actions, ultimately, instead of pulling back, dropping out of the church, dropping out of the small group, stop calling my friends, no, I'm going to lean in. These are the very people that I need right now. This is the power of the Spirit through the body of Christ is what I need. And so I'm going to take the risk to step towards even regardless of what they might think. There's the Holy Spirit can come through them and reflect His nature through them. And so I end up with healthier, um, healthier feelings and healthier actions because the core changed. Again, we don't will ourselves into the end. We work on the core, and this becomes the natural process. This fruit begins to develop out of that. Now, what you will find is if you begin to work on the Jesus narrative in your heart, and your thinking begins to change, you will, your, your feelings aren't just going to automatically um, turn. We have to oftentimes step around our feelings and begin to do that, that we know what lines up with that core, um, the Jesus narrative. But that is different than just willpower. If I'm just willpowering out of a faulty 
core, then I will fail. But if I'm choosing good behaviors based on a transformed um, Jesus narrative, um, then feelings are going to, are going, I'm going to back into more positive feelings. I'm going to step out to my small group and my friends, and I'm going to find that they're faithful and that they're saying, you know, it's okay. We're with you. We're going to keep praying for the rest of our time together. We're going to stand with you. We know it's discouraging. And all of a sudden now I feel more peace. I feel more connection. I feel more loved. Um, and that then becomes a good fruit. Let's take a look at another example. If my core narrative is I'm only valuable if people like me, and then my good friend stops talking to me, I struggle with thoughts like I must have done something wrong. She doesn't like me anymore. I am bad. You'd be amazed at how many adults have this core belief of I'm bad or maybe I'm afraid that I'm bad. So if I struggle with those kind of thoughts, my feelings are going to be shame. I'm going to be hurt. I might have self-loathing. What is so wrong with me? Why can't I keep friends? These negative thoughts and these negative feelings just continue to play over and over again. And then my actions may be, I'm going to avoid her. I'm going to act like I don't even know her when we're someplace together. Or if I was a different personality, I'm going to run around and try to do things to help her and be right there in her face so she has to talk to me. But either way, we have unhealthy behavior. So if I take a look at the Jesus narrative, I take a look at John 6.34. Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. God supplies all of my needs, and that includes my need for friendship and for relationship. So if that person doesn't like me anymore, I'm not doomed to disaster because I have a relationship with God, and he has the way to meet all of my needs, either through him or through other people. And so I don't have to be in fear, and I don't have to be in despair. Romans 8, 8.1 says, There's therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Even if I really messed up, even if I am a bad friend and I messed up this relationship, I don't have to feel condemned. I don't have to feel bad about myself. Romans 3.23 reminds me that all have sinned. Everybody messes up. We're all going to be a bad friend at some time or another. But I don't have to carry around that condemnation and that guilt. So the same situation happens to me. My friend quits talking to me. And when I look at it through the Jesus narrative, then I can start thinking, gosh, I wonder what's going on with her. I wonder if I have offended her in some way. And then my feelings might be sadness or concern, but I don't have the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. And then my actions can be healthy actions, and I can talk with her and say, you know, I just noticed that you withdrew a little bit. Did I do something wrong? I'm sorry if I've messed something up. And we can open up that relationship to get the healing that we need. I'm not ignoring her. I'm not running away. I'm dealing with the situation in a healthy way because it's coming from a healthy core narrative. So what we want to leave you with this morning is regardless of what your circumstances are, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to, things are going to happen that you're going to wonder why. You're going to be trying to do the right things and things are, you're going to get some curveballs. It's going to happen. But in the midst of that, know that there's a God that's completely good. He has a way, if you lean into him, he has a way to give perspective to that, to give you strength, to give you 
power to overcome that and walk through that and sustain you in the midst of, it, midst of that. So how do we do that? How do we lean into God? Get to know Jesus. We've been given this picture, this God wrapped up in skin that has walked in, in the way that we've walked, that's lived this. You get to know Jesus. And that becomes your narrative. Um, and something internally begins to transform. So how do we do that? There's a bunch of ways we do that. One of those is you come to church, even when you don't want to. You come to church on Labor Day weekend. I am impressed, by the way. After the OU um, game till 1 in the absolutely. morning. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you come because you believe that there's something about this that does some change in me. I hear something. It forms me in, in some way. So we come. We worship. We sing together. We, work, we, we, we see one another. We... We uh, get involved in lives with each other so that we can begin to, or two or more are gathered together, and there's a power, there's a strength that takes place in that. We come and we read the scriptures together. You read the scriptures on your own. Uh, we stand and look at the scripture every, tingle, every, sing, every single Sunday here. And so we listen and we have our hearts and our minds begin uh, to be transformed. Last couple of weeks we've talked about the power that's in this table. We come and we take communion together. Not just isolated, but we do this together as the body. And something begins to transform every time we come to the table. And and we put new focus on Him and something happens internally. When we take in these elements, something begins to transform. We take the risk to get involved in small groups and to be involved with people's lives. Um, so that even if we're struggling, the Jesus narrative might come through them. And then finally, what I'm encouraging all of us to commit to is this life of internal transformation so that when others see us, when they come to us, and whatever it is that they're experiencing, that we reflect the Jesus narrative back to them. One of my prayers in my life has always been, Lord, let me, let me reflect you enough so that when people are in need, that they would never hesitate to come to me for fear that they would not get your nature back, that they would somehow get just humanity back and some judgment or condemnation or all of a sudden we'd start, start thinking less of them or whatever. Lord, do something in me. Help me know how, how, what grace looks like in my life so that that then gets extended to one another. What would happen if we were that kind of body where no one feared opening their lives up to one another because they knew that what would come back is that narrative. What could, trend, what could change in a body and then ultimately in all of your workplaces and all of your neighborhoods if that became the core of who we are? So we trust him for the, the outcome. We just need to plant the tree in good soil and water it and fertilize it and be about that and he does the rest. That that. That fruit is a natural byproduct of that healthy tree. Father, we come to you this morning. Thank you for the life of Jesus. Lord, thank you for this picture, this life of you coming towards us in an amazing way. We talk about it every Sunday and still we try to put our brains and wrap our brains around this understanding that God coming to man and stepping out of, of the, the, the picture of God that created the universe and coming and even coming to a place of, of chosen limitations. 
and feeling what it is that we feel. Yet, being the nature of God that created the universe in the beginning. It just is amazing to us. But thank you for this story. Because every one of our stories is part of that big story. So help us to see that big story in clearer and clearer ways. Every time we come to you, we trust you and honor you as King of kings and Lord of lords. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 As always, um, if you're in need of prayer this morning, our prayer team will be over at the cross. And we just, it's part of the body that's part of community is what we do is we stand for each other and with each other in this. And then finally, before we leave, I'm going to just, we're going to do one more thing. Oftentimes we try to bring to you opportunities on how can we as a body um, take care of others that are in need outside of ourselves. Last month, uh, we did the backpacks for um, needy um, school children that didn't have backpacks. We also helped some street kids in that process. You all gave wonderfully to that project. We've got some money left over for next year with that project because of, of, of how you gave. And so I'm going to ask Blake Fight to come and talk about uh, a hunger project that he's been working on for several months in Africa and uh, how we can participate in that this morning and uh, be the hand and face of God to others. Okay, uh, thank you, Pastor Brent. October 6th, we're going to have in the uh, Promenade Mall with the Kids Against Hunger. They're our food packing partner. They've got about 90 satellites across the country. We're going to be packing this three-year FDA-approved um, food packet. It's a fortified rice soil, soy casserole. It's 40 cents for one of these, and that'll feed a child for um, a day. And then this right here will feed about five children five children so we're going to do that and some of you may be asking so what are we going to do with the food well we're going to send it to ghana this year we have a what we call a sustainable orphanage with our foundation that we're developing right now we have the bricks for the church uh we're we're starting to frack the land for the deep water uh well management system and we've got 54 kids that have already applied these are vulnerable orphans and in our foundation a vulnerable orphan is one that don't have parents. And so it's a wonderful opportunity for the church to come together on something that's pretty simple, but it really changes lives. Good. And so, thank Good. you. Can I see that? Yep. Amen. So, I want to give you an opportunity to give 40 cents. You can drop 40 cents in, and you're going to buy one of these. Uh, if my math is right, if I give $20 this morning, I just bought 50 of these. Um, and so um, I think 50 of those, we said, feeds a family for a month? $20? 50 of these? Anyway, whatever, you know, whatever your math is. 80 cents, you can give $1.20, okay? You can give $4, you can give $40, whatever. Let's just, let's just give this morning. That's the point, okay? And so ushers, let's come and let's, let's do this. Let's be about those caring for those that can't care for themselves. And um, we trust God for, for the end. If you're writing a check, just write it to Sanctuary. All of this will, will uh, go, this whole offering will uh, go towards this project. Blake, thank you for your work on this and, and bringing this need to us. We've got so many different things that are happening in, in our body here. There's so many different um, ones of you that are leading missions, outreaches, and, and uh, we did a... Uh, um, pharmaceutical um, 
what do we call it? We did a drug day, you know, and uh, you guys gave wonderfully to that and uh, the backpack and so drug day. <laughs> okay. All right. I should close, shouldn't I? <laughs> let's stand and let's close. Let's lift our voices. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Go with the, the idea and knowing that God is good. He is completely, completely good. May the Lord bless you and keep you as you go. May His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. His face turn towards you and give you peace. Go in peace. Have a great weekend. Bless you as you go.